Welcome to the Living Out Podcast, helping people, churches and society talk about faith and sexuality. Hello and welcome to the Living Out Podcast. Uh, We help people churches and society talk about faith and sexuality. And in this series, we're having conversations with people who've written for the Living Out website, and we're going to meet Stuart shortly. But I'm accompanied today by uh, Anne, uh, who's uh, up in Newcastle. And to be honest, the fact that we're not joined by Ed and Andrew mean we can talk about sport, about which they know nothing. So, uh, Anne, do you want to tell us your favourite sporting moments, either playing or watching? I've got one of each, actually. Uh, so my favourite uh, sporting experience watching, um, I really love snooker and I've been privileged to go to the Crucible to watch the World Championships twice. And one time I found myself on the front row for a Neil Robertson match and he's my favourite player. Um, and I hadn't realised quite how small the Crucible is. I was literally like a metre away from him. So whenever he kind of bent over with his cue, I thought he was going to hit me. <laughs> I could have literally just reached out and touched him. Um so it was really, it was a really exciting match. Really enjoyed it, but yeah, I was I was kind of like right front and central on the TV as well, which was a little bit of pressure to sort of be quiet and not fidget. But uh, that was fun. My kind of funniest experience of taking part in um, sport was at a swimming gala when I was at school, um, and I had one of those swimming costumes that ties up round your neck, um, and I was quite good at swimming, so I was in the final length. I was winning the race, um, and <laughs> and my swimming costume came undone, and I had that kind of toss up between: do I just carry on regardless and win the race, or do I care about you know decency? <laughs> <laughs> Go on, uh, what did you do? <laughs> I, of course I won the race <laughs> and then just tried to stay underwater when I'd finished. <laughs> None of that surprises me at all. But uh, I can't believe we haven't had this conversation. So I spent many hours of my life on the front row of the Crucible as well. So I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, I could. you can reach over and just pick the cue out their hands. You are that, that yeah. close. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. We, um, we've don't think we ever coincided but yeah I've been on the front row of the crucible my my strange sort of sporting participation is that I I love sport but I'm useless at playing it so I've ended up (laughs) doing quite a lot of officiating so I used to referee rugby I still umpire cricket Um, and so if sort of you know being a a pastor and working with living out isn't enough to remove any popularity that I have Um, actually (laughs) umpiring cricket is a way to get everybody to hate me on a Saturday afternoon. So, uh, yeah, but it is, it is a lot of fun. So one of the reasons that we're talking about sport isn't just because it's Anne and me on, but we're joined by uh, Stuart Parker. Uh, we're going to learn a little bit about what Stuart does uh, in a moment or two, but I've come across a biography for you online, Stuart, and it talks about obstacle course races and triathlons. So Stuart, can you tell us what an obstacle course race is? What are these obstacles? Yes. Well, I think the first lesson for me is I need to update my biography more often. (laughs) I haven't done an obstacle course race for about three years, but I I have enjoyed them. And it's basically like a race, but with various challenges along the way, which can be as simple as sort of jumping over a wall, um, or it might be as painful as crawling through uh, wires which electrocute you or jumping into a (laughs) skip full of ice cubes. 
Um, what? Wow. So all sorts of fun and games. Lots of mud is always involved. Um, but I think I stopped doing them a few years ago because I'd, I'd gone to this one in Dorking. It had been great fun. And I got a whole load of people from church to come to the next one, which is in March. And um, what I hadn't appreciated was how cold all of the rivers and mud were going to be in March. And they all hated it. <laughs> and I also got in, uh, like a skin infection from all the, I don't know, whatever lives in sort of um, mud um, piles. So um, I haven't done one of them for a while. But I have carried on doing triathlons, swim, cycle, run. Um, actually, yesterday I did an aqua bike, which is just a swim cycle bit, um, which I yeah it keeps me fit, um, helps me to get out and about, keeps me fit mentally as well, just doing a bit of exercise. And I think because I work for a Christian ministry, I'm also quite involved in my church. I wanted to join a triathlon club in part just to meet some non-Christians and, uh, and connect with them a bit. Great stuff. We are full of respect for you, Stuart. <laughs> well, it's great to have uh, Stuart Parker on the podcast today. Stuart, perhaps you can start by telling us a little bit about what you do. Yeah, sure. So I work for True Freedom Trust, which is a Christian ministry supporting uh, people in the UK and Ireland around sexuality and, and gender struggles a bit as well. And so I direct that ministry and I work at home, but the team is mainly based in the Northwest, even though we support people all the, all the way around the UK and Ireland and, and some people overseas get involved as well. Um, mm -hmm. So I um, look after our ministry and, and in particular, I have a responsibility to edit and compile our magazine, which comes out each quarter that's called Ascend. And that has articles, testimonies, and so forth. Um, so, yeah, it keeps me on my toes. We we do conferences and um, run small groups as well. And um, yeah, I, I love I love what I do, and I, I love sort of helping people who have these have these feelings and just want to be connected and encouraged in their Christian lives. Fantastic. It's really good to hear that you love what you do. I love what you do as well. Um, I mean, I, I'm part of uh, True Freedom Trust, have been for quite a long time, and I really appreciate, you know, all the resources, the conferences, the connection with other people. Uh, so it's a fantastic ministry. We'll be hearing a little bit more about that later in the podcast. But we thought we'd start off by sort of finding a bit more out about you and your personal story, your journey with sort of faith and sexuality. Um, I understand you became a Christian at university. So how did that happen? Yes. So I grew up in a non-Christian family, um, although I was encouraged to sort of think through what I believed. And I actually left school, setting myself the task to work out what do I really believe um, out of all these religions and faiths out there? What what rings true with me? And ironically, I left school kind of having gone to a sort of nominally Christian school thinking, OK, so I know that I'm not really interested in Christianity, I've tasted that one. Let's see what else is out there. Um, God had other plans. I had a year out and I met a number of fellow sponsor students. I was uh, sponsored by the railways at the time. And, um, and there's one particular chap, uh, Stephen, who was a Christian and I became friends with him. And I admired the, the security and the purpose that he had in his life. And so he intrigued me. He 
sort of dragged me along to various evangelistic things, <laughs> but I still wasn't convinced. I looked at um, Baha'i and Islam and other religions, and I was kind of keeping all my options open. But it just so happened that Stephen was then, after my year at going on to the same university as me, and it just so happened that I fell in with a lot of friends at uni who were also Christians, and they invited me along to the Christian Union talks, and um, that helped me kind of erode all those intellectual barriers around mm. um, science and religion, or um, other, you know, how can how can Christianity be the only way, or those sort of things. Um, but I think it was partly seeing it played out, particularly in the lives of other Christians, Stephen in particular. And um, and one Christian sat me down uh, over a number of uh, evenings and we just worked through the Gospel of John. And I encountered Jesus for myself and was really taken aback with his words and his life. And, and I was challenged to respond to him. There was also something else that powerful happened to me. I I was invited by the Christian Union, I think, in the autumn term of that first year on their weekend away. And that's for anyone who's been involved in a Christian Union. That's the sort of time. That's your sort of downtime where you recover from all the sort of evangelistic evangelistic work. And you kind of just sort of um, go away with, with fellow Christians. But they invited me and they included me on that weekend. And actually, they were a lot of fun. And I enjoyed being there. And it was very powerful to be part of that and to belong to it and feel welcomed, even though I hadn't professed faith Mm. at the end of my first year i found out that i'd actually been one of the most prayed for christians in the university (laughs) that year i think because i kind of been to all these things and um and lots of people were praying for me and and just as i turned 20 i accepted jesus as lord of my life Wow. It sounds like it was a bit of a God ambush there, wasn't it? (laughs) He had you surrounded. Yeah, I didn't have much of a chance. (laughs) Well, no, but it's really, it's really interesting to hear that it was, you know, personal story, friends who loved you, community, and also digging into the word and meeting the real Jesus. So it was that mixture of, you know, you had your intellectual questions answered, but you also saw faith lived out in the real lives of people around you. Uh, I think that's that's a really, it's a really powerful story. Um, and it's a real challenge to those of us who want our friends to become Christians as well. Um, that, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So you were 20, you were studying at university. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what uni were you at? Uh, I was at Cambridge and I was studying engineering. Oh, wow. Wow clever <laughs> makes me feel a bit uh, thick now <laughs> no no going to cambridge and studying engineering that made me feel thick all these people that are much cleverer than me <laughs> oh gosh so um you are same sex attracted as well you're you're open about that um so i wondered you know when when did you become aware of that and how did that sort of play into becoming a christian um can you talk a bit more about that i I, it's hard to know and sort of know when I first became aware of my same-sex feelings, but um, from from an early age, I was aware that I was more drawn to other guys um, that wasn't really interested in in girls in that way. Um, I went to an all-boys school, and I this was the 1980s, and it wasn't really something that people talked about like they do now. So I really kept my head down. I sort of tried to look the part, um, didn't do very well. I remember one a-level English lesson. I don't know if you've ever had the sort of anarchy of one of those lessons where the teacher never turns up. 
and you all kind of <laughs> sat around yeah. and trying to working out what to do with your 40 minutes. And um, I think there was about a dozen of us in the, in the lesson. And one of the more sort of sporty, confident guys decided that um, he was going to out the, the gay person in the room. I think he'd read something oh, somewhere which said one in 10 people were gay. And therefore, if there's more than 10 of us in the room, at least one of us must be gay. And um, I remember that being quite excruciating. And I was named and another, I was probably like the nerdy guy. And this other guy was probably like the more effeminate guy. He was also named. And I just remember being massively crushed and humiliated by that experience. So, yeah, I didn't tell anyone about my uh, same-sex feelings. And probably until my early 20s, a lot of shame that kept me allowed it sort of just to stay hidden and i think also i had this sort of um idea that maybe if i just ignored it it would sort it sort itself out and i'd just mm. emerge as this sort of normal as an in inverted commons person <laughs> who could just go and you know live a normal life and have uh opposite sex feelings and it would all be okay in the end that didn't work um <laughs> <laughs> so i actually embraced Christianity knowing full well that the Bible um, teaches that sex is for the marriage of a man and a woman. Um, But I think because it was like, oh, I just put that in a box. It wasn't like a massive barrier for me. Um, But wonderfully, in my 20s, I started telling people, carefully chosen people at my church, trusting them with this. Um, I tended to pick those people who I knew also had some big struggles in their lives. I felt safer with them. And I was surprised and um, and really wonderfully um, impressed by how supportive and non-judgmental they were. So I had a really positive experience of gradually telling people at church about my sexuality and growing in confidence in that. In that. And over time, I think I got to the point where I thought, I'm not entirely sure who knows and who doesn't and that was the point i thought yeah i'm kind of my shame has gone and god has wonderfully used my brothers and sisters in christ to uh, to get rid of it wow that's absolutely amazing isn't it hmm. wow christian community hmm. really we really need it don't we <laughs> um I, I came across a quote from you. Um, I'm just going to read it out because <laughs> it's really interesting. Um, I came to God asking for help with my same-sex attractions and found he was more interested in dealing with my self-sufficiency. I wondered if you could unpack that a bit more because it's quite intriguing. Yes. Um, so I I came, came to God in my 20s really, as I say, wanting him to, to change my sexual attractions to be what I mm-hmm. saw as normal having attractions to the opposite sex, I support, I actually sought counseling and healing to, uh, to resolve these um, unwanted feelings of same sex attraction. Now, just to be clear, if that, what that support wasn't from true freedom trust, um, we don't offer conversion therapy, Mm -hmm. Um, but that was what I, what I really wanted. And um, God does answer our prayers, but I think not always in the way that we ask for it. Um, I, I'm sort of mindful of, say, I don't know, when Jesus ca- talks to the Samaritan woman, they have this, they're having this conversation about living water. But then Jesus says, actually, what I really want to talk to you about is your is your relationships. Um, that's the sort of the barrier that there was with her kind of really meeting God. And, and I think with me, 
Um, God, of course, is interested in my sexuality, but he was most interested in some of the values that I'd grown up with, which was being very independent, being very self-sufficient, keeping, you know, just kind of basically running my own life and keeping other people out. Mm. But of course, God doesn't want freelancers. He wants followers. <laughs> um, and actually through this whole journey and seeking healing from him, he he taught me to depend on him and to seek support from from his church. And it was actually my same-sex attraction, um, strangely, that that kind of brought me through this. Because my same-sex feelings persisted, this was something that I couldn't sort out on my, my, by myself. It's something that I had to leave with him and I had to seek help from my fellow Christians. This was something that I just couldn't work out on my own, but I could be sustained by God through it all. And I could also be encouraged along the way by my brothers and sisters in Christ. So I think that's what I'm, that's what I kind of meant that God used my same sex feelings to sort out what was really the matter with my soul. <laughs> that's amazing, isn't it? Cause I think, um, it's wonderful to know that we have a God that cares about every single part of, of us and every single issue and some of the deeper things that we're not even aware of. Because I think sometimes as same-sex attracted Christians, we can think that is the big issue. That is, you know, we, we can be a bit like single issue political mm. parties, can't we? You know, yeah. oh, same-sex attraction, that's my sin. Um, but actually there are other things for all of us in our lives that God wants to bring healing to and, and change in us. Um yeah, so you sort of answered my next question because um, I was I was going to ask you know what have you learnt from your experience of same sex attraction? How has God used it? Uh, is there anything you want to to add to that? Yeah, I and mean, that was a key lesson. But I think I think also same sex attraction taught me that it was okay to be the outsider. Mm. You know, that was like I said at school. I kind of always felt like on the edge. I wasn't part of the in crowd. I wasn't um, one of the sporty ones. But actually, that's good preparation for the Christian life. You know, it, it, many of us are drawn to be wanting to be part of the in crowd, but same-sex attraction and that sort of sticking with me through my life has taught me to be satisfied with being different, and that that is um, what God calls us to to do to be. You know, to be the the ones who are in the world but not of the world, and um, so that was a good lesson, I think, for me. Uh, you, you you became a Christian when you were twenty, and I hope you don't mind saying that's a few years ago yeah. now. Um, what what is it that um, makes you stick with Jesus when things are really tough? Mm, that's a good question. I um, I kind of I suppose I look back and I see the way that He's changed me and. I look back at the person that I used to be, and I'm certainly not perfect now, but I see that um, he's he's worked on me over the years, and um, and 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 people around me as well that they've that they've changed, and um, and that's a real encouragement to me. I think one of the other things is just. Uh, I think it's Peter in the Bible um, when things get tough and 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 Jesus says to them, you know, he says to his disciples, you know, are you are you going to you going to leave me as well? And and I think Peter says, well, you know, to whom else should we go? And 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 there is a bit of that sometimes. It's it's kind of yeah, this is this is hard, but 
but Jesus, you've got the keys to eternal life. I'm not going to go elsewhere. Um, you've sustained me and kept me and given me hope all these years. Um, now is tough, but I know that you've taken me through in times past. And, and so I'm going to keep looking to you for hope. So that's, that's kind of what in myself keeps me going, but also my brothers and sisters within TFT, within my church family, um, they sort of encouraged me to, to press on and, um, and, and, and always, you know, the time of, of, of trial passes. And I'm, and I'm glad that, um, that I kept going in the, in the Christian faith. That's fantastic. That scripture from John 6 actually has been huge for me over the last year because there have been multiple times where I thought I'm just going to give up. It's too hard. Uh, but like you say, where, where else can we go? We know that this is the way. We know that this is where life in all its fullness is found. Um, you know, life as a Christian is tough, but life as a non-Christian isn't even life, is it? That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, Stuart. That's brilliant. We've got another of our Living Out courses coming up, this time in Leamington Spa on Saturday the 24th of September. It's open to all Christians who'd like to explore sexuality in our culture, the biblical picture, and how we can support same-sex attracted Christians in our churches. You can find out more and book a place at livingout.org slash events. So uh, in this series on the Living Out podcast, we're, we're talking to those who've written uh, on the website. And the, uh, the article that Stuart's written is actually a, a book review uh, of Ed Shaw's book, Purposeful Sexuality. Uh, so do have a read of the review. Uh, you can even have a read of the book if you want. Um, but um, <laughs> we're not mainly going to talk uh, to Stuart about that. We're keen to talk to Stuart to find out a little bit more about uh, True Freedom Trust. Uh, so... Stuart, you've touched on it a little bit already, but do you want to tell us how True Freedom Trust came into being and the main things that it does? Sure. Thanks, Andy. Um, so we have, we've actually got a little history of, of True Freedom Trust um, in our archives. So I was just having a little consult of that earlier. Um, when I joined, I joined about 20 years ago as a member and um, Martin Hallett had set up the, the ministry way back in 1977. And he he directed it for many, many years. Um, at that point, back in the 70s, Martin had left living as a gay a gay man and he'd come to faith. And so he and Roy Barker set up True Freedom Trust to minister to those who were struggling with their sexuality. And obviously the whole of society and, and even the church was in a different place um, in terms of its attitudes to uh, people with same-sex feelings back then. Um, but as a ministry, TFT has carried on ministering and adapted to times, but been unchanging in our uh, understanding of what the Bible teaches in terms of um, the, its theology. So we're a membership organisation. And um, I think we're almost a bit of a family, really, um, so we do offer services like pastoral care and um, our small groups, which we call Barnabas groups. Um, Barnabas is like the son of encouragement and um, do the conferences and stuff. But in many ways, we're really a family. And um, that's something that I think we see particularly at our national conference in the autumn is many of the same people coming back year after year after year and carrying on with the Christian life, which is 
which is great to see and a, and a big encouragement to everyone who comes. That's great stuff. Um, people often ask us, sort of with our Living Out hats on, how uh, Living Out and True Freedom Trust uh, interact uh, together. So how do you see that from, from your end? Sure. So um, I think we have a lot of overlap, but I think there's some differences as well. So Living Out is perhaps more prominent in promoting the viability of the orthodox understanding of the bible whereas true freedom trust were a bit more low-key um we try to obviously we've got nothing to hide but we don't perhaps uh, advertise ourselves as much because we want to get that balance between making sure that people are aware that we're here but also providing a confidential and safe place for our membership to to gather um, without sort of courting the inevitable opposition that might come from speaking out about some things which are quite countercultural. Um, so everything we do and believe is is on our website, but we're probably less active in networking and on social media than living out. Um, we collaborate as as ministries, and that's probably in two particular areas we. Uh, a biennial um, conference, which is different from biannual, apparently. So biannual <laughs> is is every two years, and um, we collaborate and do a, a sort of a joint conference and um, put something on for a day to to encourage people. And and also we've gathered our speakers, our speaking teams together um, to encourage and train them. We try to promote each other's events. And um, and something we've been doing recently because we've we've got a kind of a broad membership base. We have been trying to get our members to to be praying for living out speaking engagements as well as our own. So yeah, we've got some overlap in terms of we're we're both writing articles in similar areas. Um, Anne and um, and Ed have both come and spoken at our national conference in recent years. And we just to make sure that we kind of we're not treading on each other's toes. The t- the two teams do um, speak and connect on a regular basis just to um, talk about what we're each doing. I suppose. I think it's really positive from uh, our perspective. Uh, I think we get on quite well as as teams together. Mm. But living out has never really pretended that it does any pastoral work of any any form. We are just a very public. Uh, facing organizations so often if people do get in touch with with living out to say you know this is a personal issue for me in terms of same-sex attraction true freedom trust is always where we we direct people and so there is a a lovely way in which we can we can work together and uh yeah i I think we get on sort of as complementary organizations with a similar ethos but trying to do slightly different things and i i think that's been really positive yeah I mean, turning to back to to TFT, then what what would you say are the main challenges that you've seen in your time with TFT? Well, I think, like I say, we have many many people coming back again and again and seeing them doing well in their in their faith and so forth. Um, but like I think with any family or church family, we're not not a church, but we have something perhaps of that sort of family feel about us. It's always hard to see people walking away from following Jesus. Um, and, and sometimes that happens. Sometimes people find um, the narrow way of 
um, of living for Jesus, particularly when they're having to give up a lot in terms of relationships, really hard. Um, but I have actually been around long enough at TFT to see some of those people who've left come back. And that's always an encouragement. Um, I think nowadays it's hard to see increasing numbers of church leaders move away from orthodoxy and to see all the people that they influence in doing that. That's incredibly sad. Um, I mean, the Bible prepares us to see false teaching and people falling away as the norm to be expected, but it's still heartbreaking to see it taking place. Um, I think another challenge is just seeing society getting more hostile towards biblical Christianity. So for us, that's um, that's looked like you know not being not being welcome to book certain venues, um, sometimes receiving abusive messages. Um, so that's that's hard, but it's again it's kind of to be expected, and um, in some ways, you know, society becoming less Christian can give more opportunity for us to to sort of be distinctive and to and to share the gospel. So there's with every challenge, there's 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 always an opportunity. And presumably, alongside those challenges, there are just encouragements that keep you going as well. As you look back on your time with with TFT. Are there particular highlights, particular encouragements uh, that enable you to keep going? Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the flip side of seeing people falling away is just seeing all those people coming back again and again and, and kind of having having kind of um, stayed following God for another year. That's that's great. I think recently um, there have been lots of encouragements actually through COVID, seeing through a very isolating time, seeing people in the TFT family mutually supporting one another and moving to doing conferences online and Barnabas groups continuing to meet and finding that they can do that over Zoom and actually having more gatherings, doing a, a sort of a social thing at Christmas and so forth. So that's been very encouraging. Um, but I think above all, it's the, you know, kind of when you go and do a speaking engagement or you have a group and an individual person comes up and they says, I'm so glad I found this ministry. Um, I'm glad I'm not the only one struggling in this way. Um, thank you for teaching the Bible so clearly and compassionately. Our church really needed to hear that. It's, it's those kind of comments that um, that really help to, to keep us um, hopeful and encouraged for the future. I, I think that element of perseverance is, is probably an encouragement we could do with holding on to more, actually. Um, yeah, you know, I, I know for me, actually, every time a sort of birthday or a new year comes around, there's just a sense of being grateful to the Lord. You know, he's kept me going for another year. And actually being able to see that in others as well, it's, it's probably something we shouldn't take for granted. You know, in a sense, it is just, hey, God's kept hold of us. And it's wonderful to, uh, to see people persevere. So mm. thanks so much for mm. encouraging us with that, Stuart. You're welcome. Nice to chat with you. Well, it's been lovely to be able to chat to uh, to Stuart. As I say, we're so positive about the work of uh, True Freedom Trust and uh, do check out their website as well. They've got a, a series of articles uh, and uh, a podcast that's around uh, every so often. Um, so do check out the, the True Freedom Trust, particularly if this is a personal issue for you. They're a great avenue uh, of uh, support. 
Well, do join us again and check out the Living Out website as well in the meantime, but do check us do join us again as we continue to meet the authors in this series. Thanks for listening.